0: Welcome Nathan to the World XP Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. I We don't know each other personally like most of the other guests that I have on, but I was watching some comedy stuff on YouTube and your new special uh, popped up in the the algorithm and I clicked on it, decided to give it a go and I was rolling after about five minutes and I saw your subscribers and it wasn't super high. So I was like, maybe I have a chance to get them on. But, But here you are. Welcome. Thanks, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here and I appreciate you reaching out. Yeah, for sure. So I think um, just for everybody listening, the title of your special is Great Enough, right? Uh, It's out now on YouTube. Uh, You can find it, Nathan Habib Comedy. And then, of course, we'll put all those links down in the description and stuff below. But definitely go check them out. It's hilarious. Um, Yeah. So you've been a comic now for for about how long? I would say like about a little over a decade. Really? Okay, so that's cool. That's cool, because I've seen... um, on like we were talking before i saw i've been watching kill tony for a little while now and i see you see every sort of person ever go up on that show whether like they've been doing it like it's their first time or they've been doing it for 10 years or like two years or whatever and all the like every walk of person is on that show and so it made me kind of into a into a stand-up fan so i've been kind of curious about stand up for a little while so I'm really excited for the opportunity to ask you questions and and, and talk to you specifically about the writing process was the the one that really kind of makes me think but I want to start off with like how would you get started because some like people are funny like I I'm not I don't consider myself super funny but if there's a conversation I'll have like a one-liner here or there And then somebody would be like, oh, you're funny. And I'd be like, yeah, but I'm not stand-up funny because I don't have stuff like you You have to create your own things to go off of. So, like, how did you get into it?
1: Yeah, for sure. There's definitely a big difference between just being, like, off-the-cuff funny with your friends versus being on-demand funny on stage in front of strangers. So I grew up in a family where it was a funny family. Like, they enjoyed cracking jokes with one another. They enjoyed watching, like, funny comedy sketches Um, So it was kind of like part of our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, though, really what happened was one night I was watching TV. I was like 14 years old and um, I was turning on Comedy Central not to see stand up, but to see something else. And then all of a sudden I see this guy like on stage by himself just talking. And it was the first time in my life where I was like alone in a room. And I was just like howling, like just laughing so hard. And it wasn't off of like slapstick comedy. It wasn't a cartoon. It wasn't a funny movie. I wasn't with a bunch of friends. I was alone and it was just a person talking. Mm -hmm. And it almost felt like a magic show where I was like, how did he do that? You know, like how did he like take complete control over me as a kid? Yeah. Uh, And so I saw one episode like one show and then I just started watching more and more and more stand up. And again, I didn't even know what it was. I was literally just like, this is on at around like 7 PM on a Friday. I'll watch it and I'll just laugh my ass off. Yeah. So, So I started doing that. Then I started like telling my parents what I watched on TV. Like I would like recite the jokes and they would laugh and I would do it at the dinner table and they would laugh. And so I was like, Whoa, like this is a really cool art form. Flash forward to high school, uh, freshman year of high school, I had to sign up for an art elective, and I knew I didn't want to draw, I knew I didn't want to play an instrument, so another option was theater, and so on the first day of class, I went up to the teacher after class, and I was like, yo, like, are we going to get to do that thing where there's a person on stage, and they, like, say funny stuff, and the audience laughs, and she was like, that's called stand-up, and we, we will not do that but if you want to do that um we have like a talent show like an open mic at the school you can sign up for it and do it then so I was like all right I'm down but then I was also like wait I don't have any material like I don't know what what actually to do you know and so she so she was like Miss Hawkins is her name so she was like come to my office during lunch we'll work on your material and then you'll perform on the night of the open mic and bear in mind like this open mic thing is like typically like only like senior theater people would do it, you know, not like freshmen. Yeah. Uh, so I would go to her class like every like week or so during lunch. I was such a nerd, right? Like all my friends are like playing basketball or whatever. I'm out here like in a teacher's class writing jokes. Um, and so whatever, I wrote the material. It was like five minutes. We do the, the open mic. It's packed. It's all 18 year old adults right they're all seniors I'm this like 15 year old kid 14 year old kid and I get on stage and I like I, I vividly remember like getting on stage and like just kind of starting to get into my set like not really even like getting into my set and the crowd kind of like chuckled like there was like some like some, like uh, mild laughter yeah and at that moment I was like whoa like I think I'm about to blow these people's minds and look like i'm sure the material was garbage back in the day like you know but like in that show like i i crushed like i I had them Mm -hmm. laughing and i just remember like the spotlight in my face and like a bunch of like people just laughing and i also like controlled when they stopped laughing and it was just this like crazy rush of adrenaline and also just like power and then i got off stage and like probably like one of the hottest girls in school like came up to me and gave me a hug and you know like I'm this like 14 year old kid like she's got boobs like I'm just like holy shit like (laughs) this is crazy you know like so at that moment I was just kind of like there's nothing that compares like this is so much fun this is so cool I'm gonna do this forever you know so that's that's basically how it
0: all went down yeah and you were hooked from there weren't you for sure. That's wild. Yeah, of course, when you're like a 14-year-old and like the hot girl that you have a crush on comes, it's like, I'm going to try and do this every single time just to get this reaction. Oh, I've wild. never
1: hooked up with a girl after a show.
0: So, you know, the, the math doesn't work out that way, but
1: <laughs> it is what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's crazy because I know every, like every comic, like most other professions that are... uh Similar to comedy is not the right word, but where you kind of, it's just you. Everyone's got to, kind of got their own origin story. So that's, that's quite interesting that you picked it up that early and you tried it that early because I've heard a lot of stories of people like trying it when they're 21, 22 at a open mic, like afterwards, but you were already in. So did you do it throughout high school then? Yeah, man. So, I, yeah, I, I pretty much was doing it throughout high school. It wasn't
1: as consistent. You know, a lot of times comedians will ask you, like, how long have you been doing stand up? And it's a very complicated question because you could technically be doing stand up for like 20 years, but only do like one show a month, you know, and yeah. then it's like, are you. So, you know, I wasn't very consistent, but I think what was important about that entire like experience during high school and college is like I was embedded in the San Francisco Bay Area comedy scene. Mm-hmm. And so I was like building connections, like very slowly, but thoroughly over time. And I think that really helped a lot. Like once I graduated from college, because I've already kind of laid down the foundation of like the networks and then opportunities come, started coming in terms of like more stage time and, and getting acclimated in like really cool clubs. Um, but yeah, I think it also allowed me to like be really bad, really early. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's really important as well. Um, so, so, yeah, it started getting a little bit more consistent, like after college
0: yeah, that makes sense i 've also heard um comedians talk about the importance of bombing, and so for you, like when you were doing it at that I, like for me personally, I was really bad at giving presentations when I was like up through high school, and then in college, I got a little bit more comfortable because I think I was more comfortable with myself and what I was doing like in front of people. But for you, did you like, so you were doing it super early, but, so did that learning curve take place like early or were you kind of in a, in a, in a standpoint where you were doing it for like parents at talent shows and like other yeah. things. And so I don't want to say the crowd was like more forgiving, but at the same time, like it's a little bit more forgiving than you following totally. like a, an established stand up rather than some kid that can't play the piano. A hundred percent. That's
1: such a good perspective to have on that. I, I think, I think it's like a blessing and a curse. I was definitely in the beginning in an environment where it was a lot more supportive. Um, I think that's a blessing because it like built up a really big confidence that I might not have had if I started a little later. And it was like with more like that being said, I was like in generic bars and clubs every now and then. I think also it could be a curse because like, you know, I think I was really going for like the laugh in the beginning versus like the voice. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of where I'm at right now is like, I think in the past I was finding pleasure doing stand-up by getting the laugh. It's like just being like, wow, like I want to crush so I can get everyone to just like be roaring and laughing and being on my side. That's such a good feeling. But I think I've gotten to a point now where it's transitioned to, I want to make sure that what I say on stage is unique, has a purpose, there's a meaning to it. And I, and I'm like invested in it. And then hopefully the collapse will come after that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know if that answers your question, but like that's kind of like the transition, I think, from the beginning of like going for the laugh versus like now it's more going for whatever I want to talk about and hoping that the crowd kind of like comes along with the ride.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, especially as a maturation process for for you. That makes total sense because I think a lot of people think it's just about getting laughs and then you, they don't. So I've only realized this in the last like month because after in COVID, like I had more free time. So I kind of dove into like different standups and like what, like what it kind of entails. And sometimes I don't like that. I did that because I'll listen for like an analytical rather than just to enjoy it. And that's kind of like, I get annoyed with myself afterwards because, but, but I've noticed that some of like the younger ones or the ones who haven't been doing it as long. will go for especially like on a like in a comedy club setting or whatever they'll go for like what they think people will think is funny and the more established ones will talk about what they want to talk about and make it funny and there's like a subtle difference there that I didn't even I didn't pick up on it until very recently but I, I think what I was trying to get at more was like when you like so you're in a supportive environment And maybe you don't bomb as much. And then so like, when you bomb at a club, is that worse? Like, is the teardown worse? Because you'd been in that environment where you're like, Oh, this is funny, because it worked with these people. And then you went to a different place, and it didn't work at all yeah i mean look like a bomb is
1: never comfortable it doesn't really matter what the setting is i mean i would say the worst bomb the worst bomb is probably when you're performing in front of what is supposed to be a supportive audience and then you're bombing that's when you know you're just like not like i remember one show dude this was like such a nightmare like uh i remember this was when i was really young like still Mm -hmm. i think i was still in high school whatever my mom was, like, getting, like, really excited about me doing stand-up, so she Mm. was, like, she was almost, like, my, like, agent, you know, like, trying to get me gigs (laughs) and stuff, but it was, like, super embarrassing. She, like, had some sort of, like, all women's get-together party thing or whatever, and it was, like, this outdoor pool party. I don't know. Anyway, she thought it would be, like, a good idea for me to do stand-up, right? So, like, I'm out here, like, holding this microphone that, like, the cord doesn't even like extend all the way. So I'm like holding the microphone like this, you know? And like, it's outside during the day, there's like a pool in front of me. And then like just a bunch of moms just kind of like standing around. Like no one's even, it's just like standing around. And it's like, dude, this is how bad I bombed. No one was laughing. And in the middle of my set, if you could even call it that, a woman came up to me, grabbed the microphone from me and was like, if someone is driving a white Toyota, you are blocking me from leaving the party. It's a white Toyota. Um, Please move your car. I need to leave. Thank you. And then she like handed me the microphone and I was like, so, and like, it was just, it was a nightmare. Um, So, you know, I think bombing in general, like sucks. It's always like jarring, but I think the more you do it, the more you get comfortable with the bomb. Um, I think that's like an art form in itself is like, mm-hmm. and for me, it like comes in waves. Like sometimes I have these like phases where nothing could phase me. It's like, I don't even care if I'm bombing. I know it's like growth, it's all good. And then there are phases where I'm just kind of like, wow, I'm really com- uncomfortable on the stage right now. And um, it doesn't really matter what the setting is because ultimately it's like, you know, you're on a stage and there's an audience in front of you
0: yeah yeah that makes sense obviously the goal is not to bomb but well sometimes
1: i mean sorry to cut you off but
0: like that's the thing is
1: like sometimes the goal is not to bomb but like sometimes it is inevitable like you will go on stage knowing you're gonna bomb and the reason you know you're gonna bomb is because you're trying new material like you're trying this new thing so for example like i just did my special that's an hour of material. I don't want to say that material ever again. So now I'm starting over. Right. And when you start over, you kind of have to admit to yourself like, okay, like I genuinely do not know if these jokes are funny or not. So the chances of me bombing are really, really high. But that's literally the only way for me to eventually get
0: these jokes to be superb. Yeah, absolutely. So when, when you're in that position, like you're in now. Maybe. So how do you deal with that? You know, you know, you're not certain of the material you have, but a big part, I feel like, of being on stage, at least when I was giving presentations, was confidence in the material that I was presenting, whether it was at, like, a conference or, like, whatever the case may be, it was, like, if I knew the material and I knew it was, like, I was confident in it, it made me more comfortable on stage, the delivery, everything was just better. performance wise so for you how do you deal with that going on stage knowing like this is new stuff and you you know that you're not sure if it's going to work like how do you overcome that
1: that? that's a really good question um so i think as a performer there are two things there is the content of what you're saying and then there's you Mm -hmm. and the audience will appreciate the content for sure but the audience will also like appreciate you as a person and the energy that you carry and like your aura, if you will. And yeah, like in a perfect setting where the product is done, the ideal situation is where you have your content a level and yourself a level, but sometimes it's just not ready yet. Like comedians don't always have the finished product ready to go for presentation. So in terms of like how you deal with it, for me, it's more of just getting into a mindset of like, I am funny. Like I'm funny. Like, yes, it would be nice to have like good content that's polished and sharp and the word economy is amazing. I don't really have that right now. I'm working on it, but at the same time, like I'm a funny person. So, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully the the audience can see that by like the energy and the confidence that I bring into it. Um, Like, either through crowd work or, or maybe just like talking through like my new joke. So like, for example, I'm, I have a girlfriend we've been dating for seven months. We just went on our first like big trip together. We were in Mexico together. And we had like a few moments of like things that went wrong and things that I think could be kind of funny. I, I wrote some material about it, but it's not, I don't think it's that good. Like I don't think it's that polished. But when I talk to my friends on the phone about the trip, they're like dying laughing on the phone. Yeah. And they're laughing because of like, because I'm funny and like the way I'm talking about it is funny. So I need to like take that energy and bring it on stage. And mm-hmm. and hopefully the crowd will be like, yeah, like none of this is like polished. I can tell, but he's just talking to us. Like, he's just like a funny guy telling us how Mexico was.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. I have so many questions off that. It's nuts. Please. All right. Yeah. So the first one is like, so I guess it helps then that you know that the premise of the joke is funny, even if it's not polished. Like you've got enough confidence in yourself and the material around the joke that you're good to go on stage, even if the words are not exactly how you want them. So that's that's cool. And then the other thing that I really admire about that sort of process is so for me, I'm a soccer player and this analogy might not work perfectly, but in my head it works. It's like, if I'm going to try a new move, you can practice it as much as you want with no defenders, but you're not really going to know if it works until you're in the game and you try and do it. And so there's, there's a certain like level of like practicing while you're performing that I really like for a comic is way more than like that situation in soccer. Like no one's going to like, okay, the defender took the ball. It's fine. But like for you, it's in front of everybody and it's like only you. Like, where is it? Oh, I have teammates to help me on the, on the field. So when you're working that stuff out, like, I guess it's not so much a question, but more just thoughts. Um, when you're working that stuff out, like, are you thinking on the fly? Like you have your premise written out and maybe the crowd reacts to a, a certain part of the premise and then you switch where you were going a little bit. Do you do that often? Yeah. So it's, I think it's always
1: good to like come with, like you, you always want to come with something prepared, right? Sure. And so like, I would say if I want to play it somewhat safe, I would maybe like do one or two jokes, one or two quick jokes up top that I know work mm-hmm. um, and that, I are, that are also like fun to do, um, that are just like fun for me mm-hmm. to like perform. And that kind of put, and then like, I'll know they'll laugh and it'll also put me in kind of like a silly, goofy mood um, yeah. and like a loose mood. So And I've, like, earned their trust, right? So, like, hopefully all that can be done in, like, 30 seconds to, like, a minute. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the set is very, like, all right, I got, like, three premises that I thought about. Here's, like, why the premise is kind of unique. Or like, the per- the point of view is a little unique. Also, like, here are, like, the words that I think could get the laugh. And let's just kind of like talk this out. It's going to be messy. It's going to be jumbly. I'm probably not going to say it the best way, but let's just do it. And each time I'll do it, I'll only get better and better and better. And listen, like sometimes there's something that you think is legit and you do it like 20 times and the audience is just not laughing at all. And you're like, all right, like I thought it was something, I guess it's not, we'll move on. And then just to keep things professional and, and smooth, like you you can end on a joke that you already know works as well that's polished. so that way you have like a beautiful kind of like bow to your yeah uh, to your set um but that middle ground the middle ground is important in the sense that like your audience will give you the permission to mess up because Mm -hmm. they've already decided in their head I like this guy like they've already said like I like this this person based on the minute that he went on stage, like I've just, I've already decided in my brain that I like this person, whether or not his material is sharp or that good in the beginning or in the middle, I'll let that slide. Cause I'm still having a good time with this guy. And, and that's kind of like the way I think to grow with the
0: material when when it's still pretty fresh. Yeah. I've noticed that on, on Kill Tony before with certain like his regulars, for instance, if they like, they're trying stuff out all the time with that, And it might not, like, I won't laugh, but then they'll make a joke about them messing up and they'll get laughs with it. And if somebody else comes on that doesn't have that same, like, vibe and they mess up as well, it's just crickets. And it's like, there's not really a kind of thing that you can put your finger on that's like, this is why that worked and this is why this didn't. It's just like that person's kind of vibe and, and like, aura, I guess. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, like, I have
1: shows where, it just feels off you know and mm-hmm. i could like say like all my best material but maybe my energy is not there maybe it's like a really late night and i'm tired and like the, just the energy is off and like crowds can really sense that and the mm-hmm. opposite is also true like when you're super loose on stage and you just don't care the audience is like so attracted to it mm-hmm. um and those are often like the most fun shows but Yeah, again, like, I think what people don't realize also is, like, a comedian will have their own agenda going into their set. So sometimes my friends will be like, yeah, I saw this comedian, he was garbage, he wasn't that good, and it'll be some, like, world-renowned comedian, right? Mm -hmm. But what they might not understand is, like, well, maybe this world-renowned comedian just retired their good material and is, like, starting over, or maybe maybe they don't care at all about being present with the audience. Maybe all they care about is delivering these written jokes because they have to do like a late night set and there's no like crowd work in a late night set. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes the audiences like don't realize that the comedian is working on their own thing, whatever that might be.
0: Mm -hmm. Do certain, so off of that, you mentioned like, like crowd energy and stuff, Are there different types of, okay, I was going to say, are there different types of crowds? Obviously the answer is yes, but like, are there, I guess, more educated crowds, if that makes sense, like that understand that you're working out material versus crowds that just maybe think you're bad or like, how do you kind of navigate that when you're going through and like, do you, can you tell beforehand, maybe if there's a comic that went up before you and you knew that he was working out material and they reacted one way or the other, like, how does that work for you?
1: Yeah. I, you know, that's a really good question. I think it might like depend like what scene you're in, like what city mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. Like I think some cities, you know, stand up is like really predominant, right? Like New York, like, I'm in New York and like there's mm-hmm. like stand up comedy everywhere in New York. And so right. I think there are those audiences of like we are comedy fans. Like we love like these kind of comedians or these comedians. So we want to see them live and we know because we listen to their podcasts or whatever, like we know that they're like working new material and we love seeing that process. Like there's definitely some of that, but I think for me personally, like I don't really like focus on like, what is like, what kind of audience are we dealing with? Like, I don't really, like, I think anytime you go through that, like you start being less true to what you want to talk about.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: I think I'm at a point right now where it's, it's only fun for me on stage. If I talk about what I want to talk about and, If that means that I might bomb or it's not going to resonate with the crowd, that's fine. Because I know that if I was just going to do like my best material and get laughs, I won't be present. I won't really care. I'll be in my head the whole time
0: and Mm -hmm. it won't be exciting for me. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm the same way with this. Almost. We don't really have a live audience or anything, but like if it's, there's sometimes I'll get bored in the conversation because I was like, this is not where I wanted it to go. And this person's off on this tangent or that tangent. And I'm like, I can tell in myself, like, I have to like be consciously make a conscious effort to like keep, keep things going. Um, yeah, no, that makes total sense. Whew. All right. Writing process. So how does that work? How does that work for you? Well, I guess I'll just leave it open-ended there because I know nothing about writing. Yes. Yeah
1: yeah this one is a beast um so you asked me hey like the special right was that kind of like off the cuff or was that you know how much was that was written you know Mm -hmm. and i can tell you that i have a transcript on google doc uh word for word of that special like every single word of that youtube special the all 54 minutes of it or whatever every single word is in a, is in that Google doc. And, um, you know, if that like surprises people, then I did my job. Right. Um, But I think the way it works is this, it's, it's one of these things where I can like, do you want to know like the
0: process from like very beginning to very end? Uh, well, yes, I would like to know that as well, but also just generally like when, so yes, well, yeah, we'll go with that. And then I'll ask the other question afterwards.
1: Okay. So this is how it gets born, right? Like it, you have an experience, like whether it's traveling with your girlfriend or walking down the street and you see something weird or something frustrating, like you have an experience. And that experience is either new or frustrating or just amazing. But it's gotta be like something that sparks, something that's why it's important for comedians as well to like not just like travel and perform, right? You mm-hmm. need to like do shit. Anyways, so um if that happens, I pull out my phone. And I use the notes app and I'll just write like in a sentence, you know, like, like I'll just put, like, I'll be specific. Right. So in the Mexico thing um, we got to Mexico, we wanted to rent a car. We got there and my girlfriend accidentally rented a manual car, like a stick. Mm -hmm. And, and then the thing that I thought that was like ridiculously funny is instead of my girlfriend, like calling Avis to like, cancel the order or whatever she like googled how to drive stick <laughs> and i was like <laughs> that i was funny. like yeah i was like but like in the moment you're not laughing in the moment yeah, yeah. you're kind of like stressed and you're kind of like what the fuck are you doing um and i remember being like babe like i'm just telling you right now like i'm not getting in a car with you That stick in mexico like i'm just i can confirm you that's not gonna so whatever, so we had that like altercation or whatever, but then, so that night, I like immediately, or maybe even an hour later, I pulled out my phone and I was like, girlfriend Googling how to drive stick in Mexico. Like that was something interesting and unique or whatever. Okay, so whatever, you kind of like let that sit and then you let your brain kind of do whatever, you experience other things. Then I take like time out of my day. I, I like get to my desk, I pull out my computer and I just start like typing about that experience not necessarily trying to, like, be funny, but just throw up as much as I can, like, about that moment, so it's more of, like, free writing, if you will, then after that, I'll actually treat it as, like, a poem, like, line by line, you can almost think of, it as like, rap lyrics, right, so, and it's actually, like, the, the font is bigger on the Google Doc, and it truly is, like, a line, so the font is, like, 14 font and and the reason I have like that and the reason I write line by line is because if I'm writing a setup or a punchline, and the line goes over one line like it goes to the second line I know that my wording is too wordy it's Mm -hmm. like all jumbly and stuff I want it to be like super sharp so at that point I'm like I can visually see it so I visually see that my setup is like two lines and maybe in my setup I have like one or two funny words in there. And then like, okay, let's make sure that by the third line, like I have a punchline, like let's not take forever to get to the punchline. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the writing pr- process in, in in the beginning is like, okay, let's make sure I have like something that's formatted as a joke. Kinda. Then I go on stage and I will kind of introduce it in a very improv way. Like I'll just kind of talk it out initially, um, not to come off like robotic and maybe something will just spark while I'm on stage, but then I'll eventually actually get to that joke. I'll actually get to that very specific thing that I wrote. Mm -hmm. And if Mm -hmm. the, and if the reaction is positive, then it's like, okay, cool. I have like a little chunk. Like I have, I have like a minute, right. Or maybe like 30 seconds Now, how do I build onto that 30 seconds, right? Like, how do I continue on to this 30 seconds? So I'll go back to my desk and maybe like make it a little bit longer, you know, and type it little. go back on stage and say that second part. Oh, the second part didn't get any laughs. All right, let's let's just use the first part and try to think of something else. So it's extremely tedious. Um, And again, like, you know, it can take me, months just to nail down like a 30 second joke for it to be like perfect um Mm -hmm. and then sometimes you'll write a joke and you'll say it for months and it's funny but then like dude there was one joke I thought about like I figured out how to make it even better the night of the show like the night of the recording of the special I was like holy shit like I think I can like do this line even better And, uh, it just comes out, it just comes Mm -hmm. like naturally. So obviously not every comedian is like this, right? Like some comedians don't write at all. And they just, they just kind of like talk on stage and they record their sets and they memorize what they should say and say it. But for me, it's like, I, I, I like to be very prepared just in general in life. Sure. And so I, it's comforting for me to know that I have like an actual script. So that way I know when the
0: set is done and I can do another recording. Mm. But you've got it straight from memory. So like by the time the special comes out, like you're kind of just rolling with it, even though you said every single word that's on, that's on the Google doc. It's not like you're reading right from it. For sure. And, and yeah, and the Google doc is
1: more, yeah, the Google doc is more to see what my progress is like. Mm -hmm. Um, And, And you're right, like, I would say two months before my special, all of my sets were me just going through that Google Doc in my head. Like, we talk about, hey, like, comedians being present and confident or whatever. That was when I was not present on stage because my intention was only to, like, rehearse for the special. Um, so if like, if the crowds didn't laugh or someone would talk in the audience, I would not care. Like I would just keep going through yeah. my thing. Cause like, I was just preparing for the special.
0: Yeah. That makes total sense. It's given me like, all this is like so much cool perspective when you're watching, like I love the behind the scenes stuff of like most things, but like, this is super cool. One yeah. actually, well, I remember there was one joke you had uh, in the special about like your assistant and then not having enough money for it and then you said like she should be my intern instead and that did not get the last that I thought it should have got because I thought that was hilarious thanks man yeah um so when oh uh, yeah so when you're writing um and you're like working stuff out you've got your little like we'll say your two or three lines that you've written like your joke style is very like rhythmic almost it's like one line set up punch line all right move to the next one and we go but there's other comedians that don't really do that they're more like storytellers but they have like jokes written in i guess if that makes sense mm-hmm. you kind yeah. of do that you kind of do that as well it's interesting to me to see like style to style like how it all fits together and so like when you're working things out for example um like the Zambia joke when you said like um, when you said it bordered to Wakanda like when you when you had that because you added I remember when I was listening to it today so I'm rambling a little bit I was listening to it today and there was a couple of like ands and other words in there because I was I was listening for things to ask you basically about how you wrote it out Mm -hmm. and did you write it out to keep kind of that rhythm like did you write it out in that way to keep like the Rhythm kind of going on like on purpose, or was that just kind of how it came out that night, or both? I don't know, that's a super specific question.
1: No, man, that this is awesome. Like, people might not realize that, like, stand up comedy is music, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, there is a rhythm to comedy that makes humans laugh. Um, there are certain, like, words and letters that hit harder versus others mm-hmm. um, so i don't know like how intentional i was in terms of my rhythm that just might be like my voice and i don't really like realize it yet um i think i think my focus is more just like keep it short and concise and get to the punchline as quickly as you can um, but but yeah when i but uh when i write I definitely like mumble to myself and Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, this is not the right rhythm. Like this is, there's no rhythm here. Like it's too long or it's not in the same pace that I'm usually like uh, used to. Um, And that's why, again, I write in lines. It's poetry. It's like Mm -hmm. straight up rap. (laughs) It's like rap. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I don't know how intentional that was with the Zambia joke, if I'm being honest.
0: I don't know either. That was just something i noticed. And I was like, maybe I'll ask him about it. And yeah. the reason I, I love that him, you, I love that you notice
1: these things, by the way, I think it's so cool to get the outside perspective on something you've worked so long for, you know? Yeah,
0: for sure. Well, especially when I have guests on that, I don't like, I have some guests on that I know, and it's just like a conversation because we're friends already. And like the rhythm is already there. But if I have somebody like yourself on or somebody who I don't know who has like an area of expertise, I want to be prepared. Because I don't want to come in and sound like an idiot because I've done that I've done that before and that's not fun. Um when you were kind of coming up in the comedy scene, how long did it take you to find your sort of style? Like, for example, Shane Gillis has his special out live in Austin and I can he covers like four things in the same amount of time that you do, four like subject material like things. He's got like his dad watching Fox News, uh the Civil War special Olympics and like one other thing and then and his Trump impersonation and then you but you cover like so much more variety of subjects but it's all like the jokes kind of the rhythm is still there in in everything when you were coming up and writing and like finding out how you wanted to like how did you figure out that that was the way that you wanted to go with it versus like the storyteller mode or like versus some of the other ones like Schultz is very crowd work centric or like something like that yeah
1: yeah, for sure. And by the way, like Schultz is like the huge inspiration on all this. Um he was giving me a lot of like tips on how to like make sure mm-hmm. to do this right. Um but uh
0: I've heard that about him, that he's very helpful to like other comics.
1: Yeah. yeah, he's like such a sweet guy. Um but uh you know, I'll be honest, man, like I think what I did in that special, I think it's just what I was comfortable with in terms of a comedian. Like I don't think I was comfortable to like say a story on stage because with a story there's a lot of like silent beats and Mm -hmm. you're setting things up and I don't know if I was comfortable with that yet. I do think it would be nice to evolve into a comedian that can share stories while making them really funny. Um, I think if I am to grow as a comic, like I would want to see Maybe my cadence, my pacing, my style evolve. Like I, I hope that when I do the special again, it will look drastically different because because mm-hmm. um, it'll mean that like, wow, Nathan can like do it all, like Nathan can like say a story and make it hilarious and meaningful, um, because in his last special, it was more just like jokey, jokey, kind of surface level stuff funny Mm -hmm. but but still kind of surface level yeah i'm not i'm not one of those comics that like i'm not a woke comic i'm not like i don't want to i don't want my comedy to make a difference you know well i
0: knew i knew you weren't woke because you asked me if i was going to get you canceled yeah (laughs) yeah uh
1: yeah like i'm just not like uh i think some comics like try to use their comedy as like a platform to create change and like that's not Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just not wired that way, but I do want my material to be stuff that I'm, like, genuinely interested in as a human. And uh, I think that's what I'm learning, what I'm working towards right now.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense as well. That's awesome. Uh, so interesting to me, all of it, because like once I start to watch it in a more analytic like so when you're watching other comedians, like before you or after you uh, at certain sets, like can you still are, like enjoy it or are you always listening to like the nuances of how they wrote this certain joke or like, oh, this they dragged this part out a little bit longer so they could hit the punchline harder that like how does that work for you? Yeah, I mean, I I. I typically
1: enjoy it, but yeah, I'll enjoy it for maybe different reasons. Right. I'll Mm -hmm. enjoy it because I'm like, wow, like this person Mm -hmm. is witty as hell. Like I did not see that coming at all. And like, I typically can't see where that's going. Yeah. Um, So you can appreciate it in different ways. Like you can appreciate the comedian. That's just like a prolific writer. And you're just kind of like, damn, like that is some good ass writing. Mm -hmm. And then every now and then like there are these comics um, like Matt Richards, for example, he's in, he's a, com- he's a comedian in New York. And like, he's just a funny person. Like as a person, he's just funny. And like, he does all these like voices and characters on stage mm-hmm. and, and you'll just sit in the back and you're just like, you can't help but laugh. Cause he's just, it's like, it's just a cartoon on stage. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it it really like depends. It's like sometimes sometimes there are times where like I'll be in the back of the club and I'll just like watch and I'll be like, that was really funny, but I'm not going to laugh at all. Like, I'm just like saying like, that was really, really good. Yeah. And it's almost like psychotic, you know? Um, Yeah. But, uh, but then, yeah. And then sometimes you can't help yourself. There's just like some comedians that have this like crazy energy on stage and you're just like howling, laughing.
0: When. uh, Yeah. I've noticed that as well. I've started to do the, like, Oh, that was like really well-written. And notice and I like catch myself afterwards. I'm like, am I insane now? Or just, <laughs> should I, I need to be laughing? But isn't, here. That, isn't that crazy,
1: like in terms of like how standup comedy has evolved, right? Because you know, a few years ago, like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, the only stand-up that you could consume is like the finished product from like the biggest people, right? Mm-hmm. And now stand-up is a lot more accessible to comedians where like people like me and you know other comics can like produce a special but that means that like there's such a bigger audience for stand-up and there's a lot more people that are into it but there's but also content is delivered differently so like it allows people to also enjoy the process of stand-up which makes them be like oh yeah like I see what he did there like that's pretty clever you know or like oh I could tell he's like still working on his stuff and that's such a drastic shift from like what we're used to like with stand-up 20 years ago or 10 years ago even
0: yeah I really like it a lot more now I think consuming it in in that way because it lets you get involved I think a lot of industries have kind of done that to a certain extent let the behind the scenes come out a little bit and I think for me personally, I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but for me personally, it allows me to be more invested in kind of what's going on. So, like, uh, I think Mark Norman, had released a couple of videos, him working out material, and, like, that was really cool because you get to see stuff that you don't normally get to see, like how they react to certain things and, like, how the crowd work goes. and And that, and that brings me to my next sort of question for you is how – when you do crowd work – well, I guess just how does, how does that work? Cause everybody's got their own, like their own style of doing it. So like for you. Yeah. Uh, I love crowd work. It's like my favorite thing to do.
1: Um, I think a lot of times, like if I'm feeling like, kind of like anxious on stage or I feel like something's just kind of off, like I'll just go into crowd work because mm-hmm. it forces me to be fully present and like break the ice um yeah like I think for me like the mindset with crowd work is curiosity like I genuinely like I'm genuinely curious about the audience member or I'm genuinely curious about their opinion on what I'm talking about Mm. so a lot of things I'm talking about right now is like relationship stuff because I'm in a relationship and I'm thinking, dude, like, I'm genuinely thinking a lot about, like, marriage, and, like, how do you know when someone's the one, and, like, just, like, how to grow in a relationship and long-term, like, partnership, all this kind of stuff, right, like, I'm reading books about it and stuff, and so, like, I'll see, like, couples in the audience, and I will, like, have a conversation with them on, like, yo, like, what, how does, how did you know, or, like, what works for you guys, and that, and and, and then at that point, it's just kind of like being silly and fun with them. Um, but I think the initial part of it has to be this like curiosity of like, this is a human, I'm a human, let's, let's explore things on each other.
0: Yeah, I think there has, to been, there has to be this like, almost trust factor of like, they know that you don't really mean what you're like, it's just a joke. Like if you're making fun of them, and they have to like know, it's like they don't, like you don't really mean to hurt them. And so you can kind of dive into this deeper, maybe like it wouldn't be socially acceptable way of, commu- like yeah. you, should, you wouldn't say that if you just saw them on the street, but since you're in a place of like trust almost with them that you can say it and then they can interact or however you do. I know some people like, don't like it. Well, but yeah, it's so, different for everybody, but yeah. and And for me, honestly, like a lot of times, the kind of crowd work that i love
1: is like where i'm actually making fun of myself like Mm -hmm. i will actually i will actually set up the audience member where it actually makes me look bad Mm. and and i think the crowd like finds that even more impressive where it's like wow like he is using this audience member as like an alley-oop for for me to be the punching bag and um and that's also really fun too right it's just like for me to be the vulnerable one um and when you can be the vulnerable vulnerable one first it gives permission for everybody else to be vulnerable too
0: yeah i hadn't looked at it that way that makes a lot of sense i guess that's yeah and it's like that in most relationships though actually to be honest with it it's like boss and employee or like you in a relationship I mean like however it is like if you can be vulnerable allows other people to kind of and that comes from almost like a security in yourself or a maturity like you know who you are you know what you're doing you're confident up there and so you can open that up and and then like the experience can grow from there which is really cool you have like I feel like there's a lot of special moments that come out of that
1: I mean that's and that's why again like the material that I'm saying is is this like it's a material of like hey man i'm just learning right now i'm like discovering all these things i'm not really sure any of this works this is kind of what i found out hey you in the front row like how have you like navigated this thing and -hmm. then they'll start talking and then so listen like it doesn't work every time right like Yeah, yeah i don't think every comedian has like nailed it every time but um but when it works it's like explosive it's it's really fucking cool
0: yeah because it's it's off the cuff and people know that so like for me when i'm watching like when schultz released his only crowd work special that to me was like amazing because it's like he goes up there not unprepared obviously but like yeah as to come up with that much material off just kind of like winging it is like for me was super impressive
1: yeah and i think again it's like one of these things that people don't realize is um look i don't uh, this is a guess okay so like he he might have actually like got on stage and prepared that and like knew he was going to do that and was going to make it a special he's good enough to do that yeah here's kind of what i think might have happened again i'm guessing i'm not saying this happened i'm going to guess that he had a set Mm -hmm. and he was doing material or whatever and then he just kind of like went into crowd work And it was just one of these like magical nights that he was just on a roll, you know? Like like he was just on a roll where the audience is just feeding off of him and he's just like pointing out everything, you know? Just like, and that's the thing with crowd work is like once you got one thing going and it's like a packed room, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to like have the momentum like halt. Like, yeah, just like keep going. And I think what might've happened is like, he probably like just kept going for like half an hour and then he got off stage and he was like, dude, I think like that's a special, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I think I'm pretty sure we could just use that and use that as a special. Like, I'm not saying that's what happened, but I wouldn't be surprised if that
0: happened. And also the base of knowledge that you have to have, like, of background to be able to make, like, he made a couple, of, like, geopolitical jokes and some other things. Like, the background of knowledge that goes into yeah. that to me was, like, super impressive. Have you had the, you've had those nights that, as well? I would, I would think of just everything's rolling for you and everything's going, like, amazing. Do you describe, sort of, what's that, what, the, what that's like? Dude, it's truly
1: the best feeling in the world. Like, it's, it's, uh, I've never done heroin and I've never done like those kind of drugs or whatever, (laughs) but it is so euphoric because the crowd is just like, they just adore you. And, Mm -hmm. and, but it's also this like eruption in the room. It's this, just like, it's a palpable energy. Energy is not something you can see. And it's very rare that you can feel energy, but but you actually feel like a rush going through your forearm. You can hear like the vibrations of the room and, the, and like the chairs moving and, and the size of the laughter. So it is incredible. It's an incredible feeling. Um, and, and it's also when it's over, you're like, what the fuck was that? You know, you're just kind of like, whoa, it's Like, did that actually happen? It's an out-of-body experience for sure. Um, Oh, because you you're so in the moment and you're so present. So you're just kind of you're not thinking you're just doing it's kind of like soccer, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're thinking about what move to do or like what leg you should use to use, like it's not going to work. But when you have that out out of body experience where you're just kind of like dribbling, you don't need to think and you're just kind of like you're doing you're doing the move before you have to think about doing the move you're in flow like yeah very, It's a very powerful feeling it's uh it's actually the feeling that gets you addicted to the art form which is obviously a blessing and a curse you know
0: yeah addicted huh i mean yeah. yeah
1: like like i i remember having a set like that not too long ago and i just remember coming home and my girl was home and i just looked at it and i was like holy shit that felt good you know
0: it kind of drives you to be better almost in a in a cool way it's like you got it like you want your material to be good enough that you can continue to like make that happen it's almost like a weird drive like in a good way i guess that you're driven to make it better and better and better so you can keep having those those sorts of nights
1: yeah i think that's that's the thing with stand-up it's like it's never enough right it's you know you you get these experiences of the crowds just erupting and just having those long laughs and it feels really good in the moment and then you get off stage and you're just like okay I want that again let's do that again where where can I do that again let's do that again and um and I think it's it's cool and it's good and it's and it drives you but I think also sometimes you know you have to kind of like be grounded yeah and also realize like there's more to life and you can't just
0: chase that high
1: every time
0: so yeah yeah. that's good that it keeps you yeah that's good that you have that perspective i think because anything can can get like that to the point where it's too much it's unhealthy and stuff um i want to shift gears just a little bit yeah are you at the point in i would assume now where you kind of like stand-up is your living or because you in the special you're talking about having another job but are you good are you good with stand-up or you are also working no i'm working man i'm working um
1: i think it's going to take a long time i think for me to feel like comfortable to be able to do this full time mm-hmm. um it's a, it's a tough industry to like make good money in uh yeah yeah. so that was
0: going to be the question is like yeah how much does it take for you like for somebody to be really like good like like you're like okay i'm good to just do stand-up full-time and only that like and be comfortable because i know people will be like yeah i'm doing stand-up full-time but like they're living in their van and eating only ramen noodles and it's like well are you really like doing okay it's like not really yeah i think the
1: um I think the, like, business model is evolving. And for me, I'm, like, toying with the idea of, like, doing a podcast soon. Um, But I think as long as you have subscribers, Mm -hmm. either they're annual or monthly or whatever, and you have, like, an X amount that you're guaranteed for them to pay you a specific amount, Because you're offering them value, you know, offering them like a funny value. Like that's when I'll start feeling comfortable to quit my job when it's like, okay, I I have like X amount of people who value my work to the point where they'll pay. And then on top of that, it's okay. When I do a show, X amount is going into my bank account because of like the way we promoted that show. Mm -hmm and I think what's exciting about all that is like that, like I don't need the industry to approve me or whatever to Mm, go full time. mm -hmm. I think in the past it was like that, but I think people like Schultz, right. They've kind of proven like, no, like the internet will decide whether or not you can make this a living, make this as a living. And I think that that's really encouraging. Um, So, so just to kind of tie everything up is like my first step was like, I want to drop an hour of standup, put it on YouTube. And I just want to know if people actually think I'm funny. I want to know if the world thinks I'm funny and like seeing that it's like growing organically and I get comments and stuff and people say, yo, you're funny. Now I'm at a mindset of great. People th- enjoy what I have to say let me now figure out a way to make it consistent. And then the third step is let me figure out a way to monetize it.
0: Yeah, for sure. When I watched the, your special, the first time in my head, I was like, I wonder if he's only doing this like full time, Like I couldn't tell like with some people you can tell it's like, this is Mm -hmm. what they do. And other people like, you're like, no, they're just doing this for fun on the side. And I couldn't tell with you. And I didn't. So that was why I wanted to ask, because I, I don't know, I have no idea what it takes to, actually like quit your like your day job or whatever and 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 do that i know i would say it's risky uh to say the least but so how does it work when you're like so when you do a set at like uh, a comedy club or whatever how does that sort of work and obviously i don't give out whatever details you can or feel comfortable with but like when you get paid like how does that sort of work for comedy Mm. yeah i mean i think so there's different kind of like sets that you do
1: where you're getting paid so you know i'll perform at like new york comedy club on a weekly basis and you know they they kind of like pay you a little bit to just you know they kind of they pay you for doing the act right Mm -hmm. that night and it's awesome like it it's really rewarding some clubs don't even pay um but then there's like the shows where you're at a comedy club for like a week right from like wednesday night to sunday night Mm -hmm. and um and you know they'll pay you for the entire week i think also there's the element of like private shows right and that's typically where it's like you get the most pay where it's like a company or whatever will ask you to do like an hour during i don't know some like holiday party or something and they'll pay you like corporate money and you're just like damn that was awesome like they're the worst shows to do but they pay yeah i've heard that (laughs) yeah they're like literally the worst shows ever but You know, at the end of the day, you get that check and you get the hell out of there. Um, Yeah, dude, I've done a few of those. And it's like, bro, like, yeah, it's like, it's always a horrible feeling when the like a lot of people in the audience, they don't even know what's going on. You know, they're just kind of like, they're like, I'm at my company's holiday party. Why is there a stranger talking about working out like on stage right now? Like I just want to get some food and get drunk and talk to my friends, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, that's kind of like the different kind of systems. And then you have the whole like podcasting and uh Patreon, right? Like there's that money stream there. Um, but I think the interesting thing with the comedy industry is that it's it's growing so or it's changing so fast. Like it's just ever evolving. Um and it's it's hard to keep up sometimes.
0: Yeah. That makes sense as well. Even just in the last like two years, I've noticed it changing with the amount that I've been consuming and like the deeper I go into like different rabbit holes down YouTube, the more people I like two years ago, I never would have found you at all. Like I wouldn't have even known you existed, but now it's like you popped up right on the screen and you're accessible via Instagram, and for all twenty people listening to this, don't go message him. I mean, you can <laughs> if you want. I don't know, it's, it's... <laughs> but but yeah, like I don't know. It's just a changing. What like the they're accessible now. Like you're responding in the in the YouTube comments, and like before, you would see the special on Netflix or even before that, Comedy Central, and you would have no way to like know who this person is really. And it's cool. Like I said before, like it it allows me for me anyways to be more invested in it and want to like I want to see you do well because I we've had this conversation and I've seen your special and like a, and that sort of stuff and like I don't know do you know what I'm saying kind of a hundred percent I think you know uh, this is the last time I'll reference him but like
1: Schultz I think said it the best he said something like um, the industry gives you moments and like your fans give you a career so like,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, like the end, like, yeah, it would be like a dream to do Jimmy Fallon or Comedy Central or Netflix or whatever. Like, uh, yeah, it would be amazing. Right. But ultimately like the thing that sustains you as an artist is your, are your fans that will like pay on an annual basis. um And that is really the internet to allow you to like constantly like, Put out content or you know promoting that you're going on tour, so that's I think how the industry has changed in terms of like you know you really only need like ten thousand people mm-hmm. to pay you like ten bucks a year, yeah, for you to be like somewhat comfortable, right that's like a hundred thousand bucks, yeah, um, and so the question is like, okay, let's cultivate like ten thousand people um to like be willing to pay me ten dollars a year because they just value what i do um and that that's i think that's like a much more healthier focus right now in like the comedy world than like i gotta be on this i gotta be on that i need to be here because it's like okay but like is that all gonna allow you to eventually like quit your job and live the standard that you want to live in? yeah
0: it's not as organic also i feel right. that way right um oh yeah no it's good i think for i mean in my opinion i don't don't know if you is you seem like you agree anyways it's like it's changing for the better where the comics kind of have the the power in in their own hands now and the people can kind of pick and choose who they want to see rather than whatever netflix pops on the screen i think i think the best part about it is like
1: you don't need it all like with it's like with netflix it's like there's either nothing or netflix but i think with the internet it's like hey it's okay if you only have like 10 or twenty thousand. like you don't need to win it all there is no win at all like Mm -hmm. everyone can win because you only need like a a niche audience to to live (laughs) yeah so yeah
0: Yeah. no that makes sense all right i got one last sort of uh subject that i want to ask you about and then We'll cool. wrap this up. We've been talking for about an hour already, which is kind of wild. Um, with COVID in in New York, were you in New York through COVID? Part
1: of it, yeah. So so when it so this is kind of a crazy story. Sure. I'll try to be like quick about it, but I, I was origi-
0: I've got all sorts of time. Maybe, okay, so cool.
1: Whatever works. Um, I was supposed to record my special on March twenty fourth, twenty twenty. So I was in New York City. And I was like, all right, I'm ready to do this special. And I was supposed to only record it in San Francisco. And so I flew back home to do the special in San Francisco. And then like the next day I had to cancel it. And I was like devastated because I was like, I like worked my entire life for this. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, so I was back home. So I stayed home even though everyone was like, why are you in the Bay Area? Like COVID is like the worst in the Bay Area. And then a month went by and then it was like a horrible pandemic in New York. Um, So I stayed in San Francisco. And then like around July, I went back to New York and I stayed in New York throughout the entire pandemic. Um, And yeah, like I like started a comedy show at a park and it got like we had like a hundred people come out every Monday and, um, it was,
0: it was pretty cool. It was like a pretty cool experience. So that's what I was going to ask is how, how like New York was closed for a while. So is the park, that's how you were getting your, your stage time for lack of a better word.
1: Yeah. So like the summer of 2020 all the way to like, yeah, the summer of 2021, like it was like basically an entire year, pretty much of like performing outdoors. And I was really fortunate. Like I, I started this thing called comedy at cooper with another comedian julio diaz um and it was like our a park in our community and like it was dude it was honestly one of the most meaningful things i've ever done because the intention originally was like i just want to do stand up i don't want to lose my craft i'm gonna start this show at the park so it was very like me 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 mm-hmm. um but then it really evolved into this like community aspect of like people reaching out, being like, why is community, why is comedy at Cooper canceled? Like we really wanted to laugh. Like we really want to do like it it, it, it brought joy to people at a time that was really, really dark. Yeah. And it completely like reset my focus with stand-up because it's so easy as a comedian to be like, I want to be really good and I want to be famous or I want followers or I want to be the funniest comedian. But, but like, you forget, like, isn't the reason why we like are doing this is because it brings joy to people. And shouldn't that be enough for us to feel good. And so I think that was the silver lining among, uh, with this whole like COVID thing. It kind of reminded us, Oh yeah. People like, like comedy because sometimes people go through tough times and they, and like, this laughter changes the chemicals for them to feel good.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, for sure. I feel like, especially in in those places in particular, like with the the lockdowns were kind of heavier than like I'm near DC, for instance. And like, kind of by this time last year, I had kind of not decided I was done with it, but like the like the masks in the stores it was like recommendations and I got got my shots and whatever and like I've had COVID since and I'm like I'm I'm good I feel like in terms of not giving it to anyone so like I feel comfortable doing this and I was kind of just like I think a lot of people around here are just kind of done with it in that way but for it lasted a lot longer for you guys so like I can't imagine because I had soccer which was outside so we would go practice and play outside and we were able to do that and i think i was only cooped up inside for maybe two three months mm-hmm. and i can't imagine having been that for like two years like i would have gone insane
1: it, it was tough man like i think it was really hard and then like when the comedy clubs opened up again a lot of a lot of it was very like jarring to all of a sudden like be expected to just like
0: bring it to, you know yeah, to yeah. Be ready to go
1: I think what was nice though is like i think comedians we talked about it with each other openly and that, that was really nice too is like in the green room and stuff we would be like yo like this is fucking trippy like do you feel comfortable on stage because i don't fucking feel comfortable yeah. People people be like no nah, no nah, i feel like this is like my first time doing stand-up and so uh i think that was like comforting as well um that people mm. were honest with each other on how we feel about coming back but it's pretty amazing how quickly you kind of like get back into the flow of things Mm.
0: that brought up another point you got time for one more yeah man let's do it how how is the comedy community as like a i I would i would assume like in the soccer community is very it's a very small world and i would assume the comedy is kind of the same how does that work from well not how does it work but like i know like listening to rogan's podcast for example like back in the day like comedians weren't so willing to help each other I guess it seemed like because there was a limited number of sitcom spots and a limited number of this and that but like you're saying now everyone can win so have you seen have you experienced that sort of the shifting of the comedy community helping each other out and stuff and and if so like what's your experience been with like working with other comics and kind of just being like even if you haven't met them in person it's like oh you're a comic I'm a comic so we can talk like what's your experience been with all that For sure. I think in general, like comedians are very open to
1: helping out, like making an introduction or just letting them know like, hey, this is the person you need to talk to to get booked for this thing. Um, Yeah, I think a lot of it is like hanging out in the scene and showing a face and building relationships. Um, But it is very like tight knit. It is like a small community. And I'm being honest, like I, I think me personally, like, like, I think if I didn't do stand-up, I don't think I'm the kind of guy to like hang out late at night or like chill out bars. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it can be kind of challenging for me to like be like ingrained in the scene because, you know, like I just, I like to perform and then I kind of just like to go home and like rest, you know? <laughs> um, and so I think that's something that I need, I'm, I'm trying to get better at but also make it natural and not like force the Mm -hmm. the hang um but to answer your question like yeah like at least like the new york scene is it's great like comedians are super friendly with each other and um i think there's definitely like a bond there because it's hard man like it is a tough grind for sure
0: are you guys uh, hmm. i'm gonna try and word this in a way that doesn't sound mean not to you but generally and hopefully you understand what I'm trying to ask and then we can go from there but like when you have people that are trying to make it and they're just like not funny at all like how does that work because like I there are people that always want to be part of other things and then like how does that like is there a natural sort of like weeding out process that that goes on or is like or is there sometimes where you kind of got to be like like brutally honest with not you but people are like brutally honest with somebody like hey man like you're just not funny like this is not gonna work or or do you kind of just let them do them like how does that situation yeah. work because i could imagine that happening fairly fairly frequently so here's what i can tell you when i was in san francisco
1: and you know like every now and then i'll see a comedian. And I'll just be like, yo, this comedian is so bad. You know, like in my head, I'll just be like, they're so bad. And then, you know, you fast forward like 10 years later and they're on Netflix mm-hmm. and you're not. Yeah. You know, and these are like great lessons to have where it's like, yeah, like someone might be garbage now, but they might progress faster than you or or they might have like the right connection that you don't have so i think something that i've learned that's like a great life lesson for me with comedy is like man you never know like you never know when someone will just flip the switch and just figure it out you'll never know if someone has like you know maybe the comedian's garbage but they have like a really really good show that they put on every week that gets like a lot of audience members Mm -hmm. and then like so they have like a lot of clout and because they have a lot of clout they're starting to get opportunities and these opportunities are making them better so it's pretty what i've learned is that it's pretty naive to kind of like make the decision of like yo this guy just doesn't have it like this guy sucks because man like sometimes people you think they are they haven't figured it out, but they're actually, like, figuring it out because they're allowing themselves to bomb first and then eventually, like, get funny, but they're talking about what they want to talk about.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Also, you see people kind of enter into comedy at all sorts of walks of life as well. So, like, people, older people come in. Sometimes, like, those people will be super funny. Like, sometimes, I mean, yeah, like, there was somebody on uh, Kill Tony, this, like, crazy lady. I think her name was Miss Amy O or whatever. And she's literally insane. But it's hilarious every time, like, that she goes on because it's just chaos all the time. Like, maybe she doesn't get a Netflix special, but, like, that doesn't mean that she can't be funny there in her niche as well. And I think
1: also it's, like, again, it's, like, what success is different for every comedian. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe someone who you think is not funny they might have like a million subscribers on youtube and you're just kind of like all right like i don't think this guy's funny but i mean the guy is clearly a working stand-up comedian with a with an audience and a fan base he's doing something right yeah um so it's really like music. It's like sometimes you listen to music and just like, yo, this is garbage music. Like, I hate this music. Yeah. But, you know, these people go on tour and sell out arenas or whatever. So, yeah, man, it's totally subjective.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's a good place to wrap it up. Thing lesson, lesson to be learned is you never know what other people got up their sleeve. 100%. All right. I appreciate your time. Um, your special is... Where can we find it? It's on YouTube, right? It's called, what's the title again? Great enough. All right, go check it out on YouTube. We'll put the link down to it down in the description. Absolutely hilarious. Highly recommend it. Um, and now you're going to be working all sorts of new stuff out. Are you um, Are you going to be touring at all or doing anything like traveling around to, to different yeah. places? Yeah, so I'm working
1: that out right now. Um, I don't have dates set, but I'm like looking at Minneapolis and Denver and Austin and all that. So I'm like, I'm trying to be my own like tour agent as well. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's, it's not easy, but hopefully I'll have some dates soon in, the, in like the second half of the year.
0: All right. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. If you're ever in the DC metro area, I'll try and, I'll try and come and check it out for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Any last nickels? No,
1: man, I think uh, you've asked very good questions. This was an engaging
0: conversation, so I appreciate it. Likewise, likewise. All right, with that, we will see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Peace.